Ghoulish greetings to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those tunes, those are courtesy as always of the lovely Bobby Mackey. And I am, of course, your host, Tessa Morrow. I'd like to mention real quick my friend Andy, who throughout this episode, you will hear his voice. An amazing voice model, my friend Andy. Thank you so very much. Now, Greyfriars Graveyard, and I know my American accent's going to butcher the hell out of it, Edinburgh. <laughs> I know, it's like, I, I have friends, like, always correct me. No, it's Edinburgh or Edinburgh, or I don't know. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, totally butchering it. But it's in Scotland. This graveyard has been the burial spot and if you hear my cat running around i'm sorry she's she's on the loose and crying up a storm so buttercup may be featured in this episode as well now this graveyard has been the burial spot for people for centuries 459 years to be exact yep since 1562 (laughs) amazing to say the least well over 100,000 people rested eternally here many notable folks are buried here. I'd like to discuss just a small handful. One is named John McMorrin. He was a Edinburgh official who in 1595 was sadly shot down by school children. His story is a heartbreaking one. He was at the Edinburgh High School at Blackfriars School kids were disputing the time length that they would or should be getting for the upcoming holidays. And after the incident that takes place, I think that it should be zero vacation and like a hundred percent lifetime in prison, but that's just me. These students actually managed to lock themselves in the school. At the time it was the site of the old Blackfriars monastery now near present day Drummond street. On day two of this holiday protest, town council sends in McMorrin to end this situation. He, along with others, have the battering ram in hands, ready to use it. But before it can even be used one time, someone from a window up above in the high school shoots the man right in the head. Death? It's instant. The culprit? excuse my language, but it was a fucking 13-year-old. Like, are you serious right now? Come on. Unbelievable. John McMorrin was a neat guy. He cared for his community. He loved doing what he did. He did a lot of good out there. He actually, it was kind of neat, he built a large house in Lawn Market, the Royal Mile. Centuries later, it still stands tall and proud. You could see it today. It's known as Riddle's Court. Another burial, Sir George Lockhart, he was a Scottish advocate and a judge who sealed his own fate 
when a woman took her husband and father of her 10 children to court and Lockhart rewarded the wife and mother with 1,700 mercs. The furious husband, John Chisley, guns down Lockhart March 31st, 1689, landing on an Easter Sunday, folks. Now, the killer, he doesn't run, nor does he even try to hide. He admits his guilt in court, and he's brought to the Mercad Cross, where burnings, beheadings, and other forms of punishment, torture, and executions take place. John's right hand is sliced right off. Then he is brought to the gibbet at the gallow with the murder weapon, a pistol, wrapped around his neck. He is then hanged. Lockhart is buried in none other than the spooky Black Mausoleum. And you will hear much more about the Black Mausoleum later on. Next on my notable burial list is John Patton. He was a Scottish soldier and covenanter. He was executed at the Grass Market, a place used for public executions between, I believe it was 1661 until 1688. During the killing time, which we'll talk more about later, over 100 covenanters died here, including John Patton. This is also the spot of the famous lynching of Captain John Porteus. It was a brutal death as it includes several beatdowns, breaking of bones, hanging the captain not once, not twice, but three excruciating times. This became known as the Porteus Riots. Both men are buried here at Grey Friars. Others buried here include geologists, inventors, Hellfire Club members, ministers, politicians, golfers, judges, historians, lords, martyrs, publishers, surgeons, doctors, soldiers, civil engineers. You know, the list just keeps going on. It's quite the variety throughout the centuries for sure. Greyfriars, it comes with stories, legends, haunts, a brutally aggressive poltergeist, and so much more. It's definitely a place that is on my list of places to go. It's a very active location in beautiful Scotland. Surrounding Greyfriars Kirk in 1477, Franciscan friars built and established a friary on the northern end of Grass Market overlooking Edinburgh Castle. Here's an interesting fact. Back in the 1700s, the, the Edinburgh Council kept quite a healthy stash of gunpowder here. Well, <laughs> one day it accidentally explodes. This destroys the church and they have to rebuild it. Now, Another thing is, is if you visit here today, don't be shocked if, while in Scotland, at this old, old graveyard, you see an American flag hanging in Greyfriars Kirk. You see, the church opened on the very same day that the pilgrims landed in the United States, way back in 1620. In more recent years, 1970 to be more exact, the flag you see there today was sent from the White House. 1970, I believe that was Richard Nixon. 
sent as a gift by the American consul celebrating the 350th anniversary. Kind of a neat little fact there. Anyways, back to the friars. The friars, they wore these gray robes. Because of this, they were known as the gray friars. Things were going great. They were well-respected and looked up to. They helped heal the sick, the ill. But in 1558, during the Reformation, they were forced out. And... In 1562, just 25 years before her brutal execution, Mary, Queen of Scots, reclaims the land, and soon after, it becomes Greyfriars' graveyard. And just in time, because nearby St. Giles' cathedral graveyard was overflowing with bodies and was in desperate need for much-needed relief. A few short years later, in 1568, the Black Plague invades the United Kingdom and claims countless victims. Many of the bodies were illegally buried via mass grave at Greyfriars, but we will hear more about this later on, as there's quite a bizarre way this illegal dumping of the 1568 plague victims was actually discovered. Now, like many cemeteries. Here in Greyfriars, bones will regularly dig themselves out from the soil, especially during heavy rainstorms. To give you kind of an idea of the overcrowdedness, in 1779, Hugo Arnott, an Edinburgh historian, describes the burial grounds. The graves are so crowded on each other that the sextons frequently cannot avoid an opening a ripe grave, encroaching on one not fit to be touched. The whole presents a scene equally nauseous and unwholesome. How soon this spot will be surcharged with animal juices and oils that, becoming one mass of corruption, its noxious steams will burst forth with the prey of a pestilence. We shall not pretend to determine, but we will venture to say. The effects of this burying ground would ere now have been severely felt. Were if not that, besides the coldness of the climate... They have been checked by the acidity of the coal smoke and the height of the winds, which in the neighbourhood of Edinburgh blow with extraordinary violence. And as if it wasn't crowded enough, in 1879, several tons of bones were exhumed from St. Gill's and reburied here at Grey Friars. Now, there's one sweet and a bit sad event that is forever connected to this old graveyard. My Scotland friends will probably know about it. It has to do with a sweet little loyal dog, lovingly known by the locals as Greyfriars Bobby. The man, he's trying to breathe. He forces a somewhat deep breath but fails. He coughs. When he does this, his whole body trembles and aches. He looks down at his feet. His best friend Bobby, the Sky Terrier, looks up at his owner. He cries and gently places his paw on his master's foot. The dog sees the pain in his human's face and he knows something's not right. A tear comes down the man's face. He wipes it away. He knows he's not long for this world. There's things he will miss. His favorite foods, 
his job. He loved his job. He looks down at his dog again, and he just sighs. Most of all, he will miss his wee lad, Bobby. He struggles to breathe yet again. Like a fish out of water. How much longer now? February 15th, 1858, at Edinburgh, Scotland. A beloved local, a man named John Gray, dies after a short battle of tuberculosis. He worked for the Edinburgh City Police as a night watchman. John, like many, was buried at Gray Friars. His funeral procession was led by none other than his best friend, Bobby, a Sky Terrier. This dog was beyond devastated when suddenly his owner, his best friend, his master, his life, was suddenly just gone one day. Day after day, the loyal dog would go to the graveyard and lay beside his owner's grave. Now, there's a no-dog policy here, as is the case with many burial grounds. Now, understandably so, but Bobby did not know this. So he was confused at why he was being chased away every single time. The caretaker would chase off the dog on a regular basis. But Bobby was persistent. You can't keep a dog away from his best friend. So he would always come right back every single day. Locals and family and friends, they started to see what was happening with John's poor dog, and they rallied behind the ever-so-sweet and loyal dog. It touched their hearts and kind of broke it, too, in a huge way. They built Bobby the Terrier a shelter, and there he stayed with his late owner, John, in the graveyard. John got Bobby two years before he died, so sadly, you know, they didn't have much time to spend together. But... In the short time they did have, man and creature created an unforgettable and priceless bond. Such a bond that Bobby spent every day for the rest of his life, 14 years, mind you, in that graveyard at John's grave. Now, the story is quite amazing because every day at one o'clock, a gunshot would be heard from the nearby Edinburgh Castle. Only then would Greyfriars Bobby leave his owner's graveside, run to the eating house, a location that when John Gray was alive, him and Bobby would frequent there all the time together. And it is here that Bobby would eat. Then he would go right back to that graveyard. Word of this incredible story started to spread, and soon people from all over would come and travel and watch this dog run for his one daily meal. Now, in 1867, the Lord Provost of Edinburgh presents Bobby with a brand new collar adorned with a brass plate with the words Greyfriars Bobby from the Lord Provost 1867 licensed. There were so many people who loved that dog and happily would have taken him and welcomed him into their warm, cozy homes. But the dog would see None of that. No. On January 14th, 1872, Gray Friars Bobby dies at the age of 16. 
necropsy reports show that Bobby's cause of death was cancer of the jaw. He is buried at Greyfriars, 75 yards away from John Gray, his beloved master. A gorgeous red granite headstone was unveiled by His Royal Highness of the Duke of Gloucester in 1981. It reads, Greyfriars Bobby died 14th January 1872, aged 16 years. Let his loyalty and devotion be a lesson to us all. To this day, the loyal dog and his amazing story is still very much remembered. It's been featured in documentaries, movies, books, etc. A toy company in Scotland even came up with a Greyfriars Bobby toy. And there's a walking theater named after him. And a popular pub named Bobby's Bar is visited by people from all around the world. There's even a life-size statue in front of the bar of Bobby. And people rub its nose for good luck. But they are now warned. Please do it gently. We've had to replace Bobby's nose not once, but twice. (gasps) It is believed that Bobby haunts the cemetery. To this day, reports come in from locals and visitors alike. Sights of a small, ghostly dog wandering throughout the graveyard. People have even heard his disembodied bark. Very cool stuff. (laughs) One gal online shared that she was on a tour one day, and the guide asked for everybody in the group to pick up a stick. And they weren't told why, but they all complied. The guide then shares Bobby's story of loyalty and courage. And of course, it just kind of melted the people's hearts. He then requests that the people lay their sticks down in front of Bobby's grave. Many other sticks are seen there from earlier tours. Several sticks as gifts and offerings for a good boy that is Bobby. Now, it's been 149 years since Bobby died, but his story remains very much alive. And if you go to explore Greyfriars Graveyard, keep your ears and eyes open, my friends, for you just may hear his bark or see his little apparition running around. Maybe he's running to get that one meal of the day. Now, while this last story may have tugged at your heartstrings, at least the animal lovers, this next one is quite the opposite. You see, Greyfriars Graveyard is home to a dangerous poltergeist. Let me introduce you to the infamous, the notorious, the ever-so-deadly Sir George Mackenzie. He was many things in life. A legal writer, Lord Advocate, even a Scottish lawyer. Oh yeah, and one sadistic son of a bitch. In the late 1670s, King Charles I is desperately trying to convert, or more like force, Presbyterian Covenanters to high Anglican practices. That's like a meat eater trying to convert a vegan. Come on, man, you'll love this mouth-watering bacon burger, or vice versa. Come on, dude, toss that burger in the trash and have the sprouting carrot water cracker sandwich with tofu chips. I don't know, as you can imagine, I don't think it would go well either way. Vegans are vegans for a reason, and meat eaters, hey, we like our meat. It's okay to do both, right? Well, the king, he recruits old George Mackenzie, and due to his harsh punishments and horrific maltreatment, he earns the title 
bloody George Mackenzie. In 1679, the Covenanters are defeated, and 3,000 of them are captured. And they are brought to Greyfriars by Mackenzie. Many are introduced to the guillotine and are brutally beheaded, or a date with the noose. Rotting skulls were displayed on the walls throughout the city. Other inmates were tortured publicly. A few were eventually freed. Now, 1,200 people were taken prisoner and imprisoned in a walled section of Grey Friars. It's a makeshift open-air prison that would become the first recorded concentration camp. So, kind of some dark history here at Greyfriars. This is now known as the Covenanters Prison. As you would imagine, the living conditions, or their lack of, were absolutely brutal, horrendous, things nightmares are made out of. By November, most of the 1,200 died from exposure, starvation, disease, or some other cruel fate. A large amount of these prisoners would die while in confinement. And when the remaining people refused to swear allegiance to King Charles I, they paid with their lives. They were executed. Only 269 would survive. Survivors of the Reign of Terror, which is known as the Killing Time, they're sent on a ship to Australia to be sold off as slaves. The vessel, the Crown, however, runs aground in Orkney and over 200 people drowned. Just so horrible. Many of these, quote, prisoners are thought to haunt the old prison today. During the killing time, Bloody George Mackenzie is believed to be responsible for thousands of deaths. It's believed like over 18,000. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And of his own countrymen. I mean, an absolute crying shame, for sure, no doubt. Well, on May 8th, 1691, Bloody George dies. And I'm sure more than a few did not mind one bit. He dies in Westminster, England. And not too long after, his body is removed and brought to Greyfriars. And ironically, he is buried very close to where his prisoners were held and where many died. He was a sadistic bastard in life. And in death, he sure as hell's menacing and is a well-known haunting here at Greyfriars. He is buried in what's known as the Black Mausoleum. Legend has it that a highwayman was fleeing from the law, and he ends up hiding in Mackenzie's tomb. Well, eventually he's captured several months later, and when he's in custody, he has a wild story to share with the authorities, and it sounds something like this. Coffins moved around by themselves in that mausoleum. I also heard Bloody George scratching from within his coffin. And, in more recent years, in 1999, a homeless man, he is out and about in the graveyard, desperately in search for shelter, or maybe a little something else. He breaks into the Black Mausoleum, and for reasons unknown, instead of being grateful, hey, I'm out of the weather elements, I'm okay, I have shelter, I'm safe, he desecrates the deceased Mackenzie's coffin. While in the middle of this vandalizing act, he discovers a hidden room filled with skeletons. Now this is beneath the tomb, mind you. There he sees an iron gate. He removes it, walks down a short twisty stone staircase where he enters another chamber. Here in this secret chamber, he sees several coffins. 
Again, for reasons unknown, this idiot starts to desecrate these coffins as well. Like, what's he thinking? You know? Like, seriously. While doing this, he falls into a hole, which reveals yet another chamber. This is just so crazy to me. I'm, like, picturing this, you know? And it's almost kind of like a scene of, like, Frankenstein or, or something. You know, like, walking down the old stair, the old stone staircase and... It just seems more like a movie than real life. Now, apparently this third chamber, this pit, was used to illegally dump plague victims. The mass grave was sealed up for all these years. The homeless man found himself surrounded by death, decay, rot, slime. Ugh, can't even imagine the smell. The man, he manages to escape and he bumps into a security guard. Well, the security guard sees him. He's probably covered in ooze and slime and, you know, whatever, what have you. And then, of course, the homeless dude sees the security guy who could bust him, get him in trouble. They're equally afraid of each other. They run into different directions, screaming in the process. Maybe the homeless dude will think twice before breaking, entering, and, uh, hello, desecrating. It is shortly after this majorly rude disturbance involving the vagrant that weird things start happening. And I mean, really quick after. I mean, literally the following day, a woman is visiting the burial grounds. She's looking through the iron gate at the vaults and she was, quote, blasted off its steps by a cold force. A short time goes by when suddenly another woman falls victim. She's found lying on the ground near the infamous tomb. Her neck is incredibly bruised. When she finally comes to, she shares that invisible hands try to strangle her. And yet another victim, this time a man. He was found to have very similar bruising on his neck. And this happened on the opposite side of the tomb than the others. Since the homeless man's break-in, there have been over 450 recorded and documented cases of encounters and attacks. That's 450, you guys. I mean, that's insane. Around 180 people have lost consciousness. And, of course, those are just the documented cases. I'm sure there are several where things happen to people and they're either too scared or shy or intimidated or embarrassed to share their story. But just know, my friends, you're certainly not alone. Very eerie happenings occur here indeed at the Black Mausoleum and the Old Convenanters Prison. Dead animals, they're often found around this area. Fires will suddenly break out. People have experienced extreme cold spots. Cameras and other pieces of equipment will work fine in other parts of the large graveyard. But we'll suddenly malfunction here at the Black Mausoleum. If you decide to go here, tread lightly, my friends. And I'm not kidding when I say people have been attacked here by unseen forces. As a paranormal investigator, I myself have experienced being touched, pushed, scratched, my hair being pulled, and what have you. However, some of these injuries are quite serious. While here, people have been punched, kicked, scratched fingers being broken yes people actual broken body parts growing numb being burned getting physically ill women report having their hair violently yanked down 
people have fainted. It's just, it's insane the amount of activity that it takes place here. People also have experienced phantom smells, a sweet, sick smell or sulfur. Uh, they hear unexplained laughter, growls, and even knocks coming from underneath their feet. Many times people will go home and feel like something came home with them and experience weird things at home for a while. One visitor, a former police officer, he shares an account where he visited Greyfriars and later that night he was in his hotel room skimming through a book from a local author who wrote about the Mackenzie poltergeist. An author that I reached out to but never heard a reply back. But hey, I tried. I just need to say something on a side note real quick. I'm going to go off base. But it's interesting. I noticed that when I had my radio show, when I try to get a hold of people, they saw a radio and they were like, yeah, you know, but with podcasts, it's harder for people to reply to that, which is weird to me because I think podcasts have so much bigger of a following when it comes to radio shows. Um, I had fun with my radio show, obviously, and I'm grateful that I did that. I made friends in the process. But to me, my tiny, itty-bitty, useless opinion, I think that it's, you know, podcasts. I still have people listening to podcast episodes from two years ago where radio show, who's going to listen to, you know, a year-old radio show? I, I, I don't know. Just... To me, I just thought it was kind of weird. But yeah, I always like to let you guys know when, hey, at least I'm trying to get some people on here, you know, but it doesn't always work out that way. So getting back on track now, the former police officer slash Greyfriars visitor, he suddenly feels a sharp burning sensation on his neck. He sees five deep scratches near his Adam's apple. Well, the next morning he visits his mom where he leaves the book with mom and he even admits, I did not want that book in my house. So here, mom, you take it. <laughs> well, later he calls his mom and he asks her what she thought of the book. And she shares that she recently got five scratches on her neck, identical scratch marks. It's incredible. And he even admits to say, I am not one who frightens easily, but Hand on heart, I am very frightened now. The phenomenon you have in that graveyard is very much real. In 2004, two local teens who should be featured on World's Dumbest Criminals, they break into the mausoleum and they steal Mackenzie's head. They're arrested and they are found before their arrest to be in the graveyard playing football with none other than Mackenzie's head. Like, really? They're sentenced to probation for grave robbing. I think that was kind of like probation. You're a teenager. So what? It's like you're grounded, you know? Perhaps a premonition for things to come. In his 1879 book, Edinburgh Picturesque Notes, Scottish poet Robert Louis Stevenson writes this about Bloody Mac. When a man's soul is certainly in hell, his body will scarce lie quiet in a tomb, however costly. Sometime or other, the door must open and the reprobate come forth in the abhorred garments of the grave. And boy, was he right. Mackenzie sure as hell did not lie quiet in his tomb. 
And seriously, I mean, who could blame him, honestly? All was quiet until his tomb was desecrated. I think that would disrupt even the gentlest of souls. But boy, many people have paid for the homeless man's actions. Broken fingers, unseen assaults, fainting spells, what have you. At least two exorcisms, possibly more, have been conducted here. Father and son, actually, at different times. Colin Sr., he went first in 2000, and not too long after, just a matter of a few weeks later, he dies suddenly. While conducting this exorcism of Bloody George, Colin stops in the middle of it and he abruptly leaves. Later on, he would share that he was worried for his life as he sensed hundreds of malevolent and distressed spirits surrounding him. Six weeks later, Colin sadly dies from a heart attack. I mean, how heartbreaking is that? Absolutely. Many people believe that he encountered way too much during this exorcism. His son, Colin Jr., disagrees. People linked my father's passing to his work at the Covenanter's prison, but the family believed it was not related. Junior was approached by TV stations like Fox to be on paranormal shows and discuss the Black Mausoleum at Greyfriars. He did finally appear on the Discovery Channel and admits that when he got there, he found himself unable to walk through the area. His first visit back to the cemetery happened to be on the very first anniversary of his father's death. You can't help but feel unnerved by the atmosphere. It's one of the most malevolent I've ever experienced. At least 15 people, including children, died or were tortured here. Other personal experiences include a man saying he was fingered by a spirit. Another visitor said they walked all throughout the old graveyard without any crazy incidents, but as soon as they walked past Mackenzie's tomb, the visitor smelled a sweet, sickly smell. The other people that she was with did not smell anything at all. Gotta love those phantom smells, my friends. On one of their many tours, a woman almost fainted, and as she was being escorted safely away, the group suddenly sees this apparition of a young boy looking out from a doorway of a tomb. He runs between the other tomb's doorways and runs into one, and he does not reappear again. Maybe it was this little boy who made this woman not feel too good. I don't know. Before we end this, it must be mentioned that back in the day, body snatchers and grave robbers was a huge thing. It was a good way for dishonest losers to make a quick buck. Body snatchers would enter the graveyard, dig up freshly buried corpses, then would sell the remains to the local medical school nearby. They were in desperate need of fresh bodies for their studies, and they had kind of like a no-ask policy. They knew that it was illegal, but they, hey, if we don't ask, we don't need to know where you got this body from. I mean, now obviously, this is so wrong on so many levels, and unfortunately it happened so many places, including Greyfriars, that it became pretty customary for grieving families to install metal grates or cages or enclosed mausoleums over their loved ones' grave sites. Some families installed heavy stones or even concrete boxes 
I mean, it's sad that here they are mourning the death of their loved one, but then also they had to go through such great lengths to actually ensure that their loved ones could rest in peace. I mean, come on. And if that's not bad enough body snatching, there were people like William Burke and William Hare who would murder their people and steal the money and possessions and sell their bodies to the school. Burke was hanged while Hare was released. I find it interesting because Burke, I mean, kind of like Sweet Justice, that Burke's corpse was publicly presented and dissected in the anatomy theater. His skeleton is still displayed somewhere, I believe. I think it's in a museum. Too bad Hare couldn't have joined his comrade in crime. I know I kind of went off route there, but it's people like Burke and Hare which forced families to do what they had to do. Now, I want to give the biggest of shout-outs to my friend, Andy McGreelan. And I probably said your last name wrong, my friend. Sorry, Tessa, a.k.a. the Butcherer of Last Names. (laughs) Ha ha! For lending me his amazing voice throughout this episode. Andy, you did a terrific job. You know, guys, I usually try to change up voices, do them myself. I kind of, you know use my effects and use a man's voice sometimes or whatever. But I just thought that, hey, I wanted to make it more authentic, make it very cool. So you're hearing that awesome, thick accent. And so thank you, Andy. I really do appreciate the time that you made for me and for this episode. You actually may have recognized that awesome voice as he was featured in an episode of mine back in May of last year. I believe it's the 61st or 62nd episode. And it's titled Eyes on the Sky, Not Alone. Check it out if you haven't heard it. And be sure to check out Andy's awesome podcast as well, where he has amazing guests on and it's all things extraterrestrial and UFOs and aliens and incidents and so much more. (coughs) Oh, yeah. You know, actually, Andy can tell you more about it himself. Here we go. Take it away, my friend. Hi, everyone. My name is Andy, and I host That UFO Podcast. That UFO Podcast brings you weekly content with some of the biggest names from around the world of UFOs, UAP, and associated phenomena. Weekly interviews, roundtable discussions, and breaking news podcasts with myself, regular co-host Dan, and sometimes special guests will drop in too. That UFO podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you can download podcasts. Already having hosted names like Luis Elizondo, Sean Cahill, George Knapp, Avi Loeb, Brandon Fugo, Ralph Blumenthal, and many more. I hope you come and check us out, and as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. Very cool guy. Absolute sweetheart. Thank you, Andy. And please do check out that UFO podcast totally cool. think you guys will really dig it. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes, sir! Listen to the others, you guys. They're all pretty terrific. Haven't heard every single one yet? Poor baby. Poor baby, indeed. No need to cry. Just head on over to any of those podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Deezer, Google Podcast, iTunes, Player FM, Podbeam, wherever you may roam to listen to your 
other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Nambour, Australia, Grundy, Iowa, Kokomo, Indiana, Boiling Brook, Illinois, and Gravesend, England. Well, so, you know, I picked these, I picked these out, the cities, as I have so many in a jar, and I'll pick them out, and I had to laugh. I was like, wow. I was like, three, three I states, you know, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, thank you so much for coming over, stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I hope you enjoyed Andy's awesome model voice. Have a scary tale to share. Maybe a recommendation on an episode you'd like to hear about. Email me, paranormal.prowlers.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter, Paraprowlers, or Paranormal Prowlers on Facebook. Message me, hit me up, email me, whatever. I would just love to hear from you. Thank you so much, you guys, and we will see you next week.